knowing that what we have is not our own, but that it's yours, God. Help us be reminded of that constantly. Thank you for your love and your grace. And it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Well, these are some of the most exciting days to be alive in the history of the world. God is shaking the nations. He is on the move. He is doing some things that he has never done, and we get to be a part of it. This morning, we're going to be talking about light for the future. You know that we've been talking about Fox Valley Church being a light in this community. Back in January, I did a series called Shine, bringing us to a kind of people that God wants us to be so that we would shine in the darkness, so that we would be the people that God wants us to be. And back in January, we talked about being difference makers, people that would put the kingdom first, people that would hold on to the word of God, people that are going to stand the shaking, withstand the shaking, will be the women and men that know their Bible, the women and men that know the truth and hold on to the word of God. There will be men and women that are people of prayer. Those are the difference makers. And then we talked about as well, people that understood or understand the time, treasures, and talents that God has entrusted to them to use them for kingdom purposes. So those are the difference makers, and that is linked up with light for the future that we'll be talking about this morning as God has been moving us through this season of how can we be a brighter light, a stronger, shining community in our cities around us. If you have your Bible this morning, I want to encourage you to open with me to Psalm 49. Psalm 49. If you have a device, I want to encourage you to find Psalm 49. It's so important. I, I cannot exaggerate this, how important it is to have the Word of God open in front of you because you see things and the Spirit works in ways that are so powerful when we have the Word of God in front of us. If you're able to stand I want to invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word. We're going to read a longer section. We're going to actually read all of Psalm 49, if you'll follow along. Verse 1, hear this, all peoples, give ear, all inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak wisdom. The meditation of my heart shall be understanding. I will incline my ear to a proverb. I will solve my riddle to the music of of the liar. Why should I fear in times of trouble when the iniquity of those who cheat me surrounds me, those who trust in their wealth and boast of the abundance of their riches? Truly, no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life, for the ransom of their life is costly and can never suffice that he should live on forever and never see the pit. For he sees that even the wise die. The fool and the stupid alike must perish and leave their wealth to others. Their graves are their homes forever, their dwelling places to all generations, though they are called lands by their own names. Man in his pomp will not remain. He is like the beasts that perish. This is the path of those who have foolish confidence. Yet after them, people approve of their boasts. Like sheep, they are appointed for Sheol. Death shall be their shepherd, and the upright shall rule over them in the morning. Their form shall be consumed in Sheol. 
with no place to dwell. But God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol, for he will receive me. Be not afraid when a man becomes rich, when the glory of his house increases. For when he dies, he will carry nothing away. His glory will not go down after him. For though while he lives, he counts himself blessed. And though you get praise when you do well for yourself, his soul will go to the generation of his fathers who will never see again, see light. Man in his pomp, yet without understanding, is like the beasts that perish. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you that these words written some 3,000 years ago. They, they read, God, like I just read them in a blog post in 2022. It's amazing. So God, we're asking you to give us eyes to see, ears to hear, a mind to conceive. And God, before we get into the message, we want to pray again for these people in the Ukraine. We're asking for you to deliver them from this war, that you would break off the powers that are working against them, that you would save lives, women and men and children and boys and girls, God, that are being lost in this battle. We pray, God, that you would hold back the encroaching forces. We pray, God, for your spirit to pour out resources through the church, that they would be a bright light. Think of the thousands thousands, three million I think it is, of refugees fleeing the country and another several hundred thousand just fleeing their villages and cities. God, be with these people. They're losing everything over this recklessness that's taking place. And God, give our world leaders wisdom as they walk through these days. We commit this to you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may grab a seat. Well, the psalm, it begins in an amazing way. When, when you read this in verses 1 to 4, there's the sense of this was written for you and me today. Right? He, he, he begins, hear this, all peoples. Give ear, all inhabitants of the world. That's all of us. God is speaking right now into each of our lives. He says both the low and the high, those who have a high station of life, those who have a low station, those who have a lot of money, those who have little money. He goes on, he says, my mouth shall speak wisdom. The meditation of my heart shall be understanding. So what he's wanting from us is to have a wisdom that is so different from the world. The world walks and lives and operates in a way so differently than what God wants. And so what the psalmist is doing is he's calling us to have ears to hear. As he's calling us to listen, he's going to set this up and it's not going to be confusing at all. There are two kinds of people in this world. Two kinds of people get brought out in this psalm. The wise and the foolish. You and I are going to fall into one side of the column. You're either going to walk out of here and be a wise woman, a wise man, or you're going to walk out and you're going to be a fool. There's no middle line. There's no confusion. He just lays it out. He says also, as we read this psalm, is that the wise are going to trust in God. They're going to put their hope in God. And there's the fool who begins to put their hope in wealth. 
in material things. They find their strength, their comfort, their energy, their joy, all in the things of this world. He just lays it out. It gets really, really simple. There's two different paths that are laid out. That's how the psalm reads. We're going to look at it real briefly. Let's start out with looking at the fool. The fool is the one who trusts in his wealth or her wealth. We see this in the way of foolish confidence, right? we got to start somewhere. So the fool has a foolish confidence in the things of this world. We find this in verse 13. This is the path of those who have foolish confidence. Yet, people will look at them and say, yeah, they approve of it. Cheer them on because that is what the world does. Well, who's he talking about? He's talking about the people of verse 6. Those who trust in their wealth and boast of the abundance of of their riches. Now, how do you know if you're trusting in your money? Because no one here wants to say that. No one here wants to walk away and say, oh yeah, look at me, I'm trusting in money, I'm trusting in material things, so how do you know? Well, here's how you can know. Let me just give you two questions to look at. Do I find more confidence, more comfort, more peace, more joy in money or in the things of God? What gives me greater joy? What gives me greater comfort? What gives me greater peace? Let's get really practical. Where do you put your money? If you say, oh, I want to be on the column of the wise and definitely not of the foolish, there's a way to know, concretely, clearly. All you have to do is look at your checkbook. All you have to do is look at where you've spent your money over the past year, and you're going to find out what really matters to me. It's a very simple test, and that is where we start digging into the foolish confidence that people have in the things of this world. It's a foolish perspective. Well, we begin to see this in verse 11. Verse 11, it says this, It says, their dwelling places to all generations, listen to this next phrase, though they called lands by their own names. You understand what he's saying. It's a a psalm. It's poetry. So he's going to use imagery. He's going to use figurative speech. And what he's saying is people want something that will hold on for past life. When, when they're gone, they want to be remembered, so they want lands named after them. Now, we don't do that, do we? What we do is we like our plaques. We love our plaques. How do we get re- our recognition? Well, you walk into a hospital, and you find out who are all the big givers, because they'll have a plaque on the wall say, look at me. Now, they've been long gone, but their name is on the wall. We go into a high school. You find all the people that influenced the high school, maybe through the years, and the plaque is there. Remember me. This is what I accomplished. This is what happened. Or you walk into any place, city hall, plaques again. We're trying to live on forever, but the Holy Spirit tells us that's true. We want this. There's a sense of eternity in all of our hearts, and we can't imagine not existing, so the way we do this is we name lands after ourselves so people will remember us 
In our case, we want to do plaques. So there's this whole perspective in life that is that's just crazy. We're trying to hold on to the things of this world, but you can never hold on to them. You can't. And that's where the psalmist is taking us. The foolish end comes in verse 14. Look what it says. They are consumed in Sheol. Sheol is the place of the dead. Sometimes it's called the pit here, but it's all synonymous. It's the place where they're going to end up, and their end is apart from God. It's in this place where there is nothing. And look at how the author writes twice. Man in his pomp in verse 12, and again in verse 20. Man in all his pride. Man in all his ability. Women and children. Men trying to build themselves up. And he says, you will not remain. He is like the beast that perish. It's all foolishness. It's all foolishness. In contrast to that, where we go is the wise. The wise is answering the same question that we find in verse 5. Why should I fear in times of trouble? The fool answers the question, well, I'm not going to fear because I have money. The wise, why should I fear in times of trouble, answers it very differently. But let's be really clear on what times of trouble are. Times of trouble are any time when you don't have enough money to do what you think you got to do. That's what a times of trouble is. So, you know, you're, you're going through life, you're a senior in high school, and you start thinking about college, and you say, whoa, I don't have enough money for college. So what happens? It's a time of trouble. You get through college with a little bit of debt and you find this young man or this young woman you want to marry and you say, whoa, it's expensive to get married. You're in a new times of trouble. But you go ahead and you get married anyways, right? Then you have these things called children. <laughs> children cost a lot. That's a time of trouble, right? You read today and they say, whoa, it's two hundred, three hundred thousand $300,000 to raise a child. Who's got that kind of money? Maybe I could have half a child and save up all my life, right? Because it's a time of trouble. But then you go through life a little longer and what happens? You start getting older and your body breaks down and you do foolish thing in sports and your knee goes out, your shoulder pulls apart and you got to get it repaired and what do you start trusting in in this time of trouble? Money. Money solves everything. So you need money to get through life and it's almost like we forget God owns it all. We forget that God has it all. And so what do we start doing? We start putting our trust in money in any time of trouble. And of course, the big one today that you start getting hammered with when you're very, very young is you have to raise or lay up money for retirement. You've got to have that big nest egg to carry you through your senior years so that you can live the dreams you want to live and live the life of comfort that you want. And all of our hope starts turning towards money. Now certainly, the psalmist makes really clear there is nothing wrong with money. In fact, there is nothing wrong with a lot of money. There is nothing wrong with a super lot of money. What's the problem? It says very clearly, the one who puts their trust in the money. That is where the problem goes. So the wise, they know where to put their trust. Verse 15, the wise will say, God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol. Now the psalmist writing probably a thousand years before Christ is looking through time and he knows somehow God is going to 
break the power of death. And how did he break the power of death? He breaks it through the resurrection of Jesus Christ so that death no longer has the sting, death no longer has the power. In fact, the very thing that brought death, the very thing that brings a sting, sin is conquered, the power of it is conquered as well. So the wise woman, the wise man, the wise student is the one who knows where to put their trust. They know what really matters. Verse 8, the ransom of their life is costly. People in this world are expendable. It's why we don't care about children. It's why we don't care about the unborn. They're expendable. It's why when people get to the other end of life, we don't care about them. We, we as a culture, have shifted. What the psalmist is telling you and me today let me say it a little differently. What God is saying to you and me today is that you are infinitely valuable. Think about this. If you were the only person on this whole globe, if you were the only person alive, God would look at you and say, you are infinitely valuable. I will send my son to deliver you from your sin and death. That's powerful. If you were the only person, God would take those same steps that's what the wise person knows. Redemption is costly and can never suffice by the wealth of this world. He goes on, it's so powerful. But then there's the third, the wise know the end. Look what it says in verse 15. He says, God will ransom my soul, and look what he does, he will receive me. This is incredible. This is amazing. The people of the Old Testament did not have a developed afterlife, and yet God is planting seeds that are showing that God is going to bring us into his very presence. He will receive me. And then some of you in your translation, you have that little selah there. Selah. You know what that means? Stop. Pause. Dwell. Meditate. What just was stated is hugely important. And you don't want the tune of the song just to move along. Just pause and take it all in. It's amazing what God has written for you and me this morning that he will receive those who put their trust in him. Diving into the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it says this. It says, it has been appointed for all people to die once and after that comes judgment. There is this life and there is a time when you will pass on or Jesus will return, whichever one comes first. But you and I will stand and give an account to Jesus Christ. We will stand before the judge. It's appointed that that is the way it goes and we will give an account for our lives. What makes this psalm increasingly more powerful is the next thing I want to say, and that's this. Everyone, every one of us here, without exception, is going to give away every penny you've ever made. Every one of us, you will give away everything. Look how it comes out in verse 10. He says in verse 10, he lays it out, 
He says, the fool and the stupid alike must perish and leave their wealth to others. We included the first part, verse, the first part of 10, even the wise die. His point is, everyone's going to die. All of us are leaving your wealth to others. So where are you going to leave it? What are you going to do with it? God has entrusted it to you. He didn't give it to your kids. He gave it to you. Now, I'm not suggesting for a moment you don't leave an inheritance. But you've got to start asking yourself, what are you going to say to God when you stand before Him and you start looking at the kind of wealth that God has entrusted to us? What are you going to do with it? You will leave it to another. Every one of us will give it away. Look what it says in verse 17. He will carry nothing away. His glory will not go down after him. That's the whole point. Your glory, your life, your plaques, the land's named after you, it's all going to pass away. It's all going to be gone. That's why he comes back with that phrase twice. Man in his pomp will not remain. In all of our pride, all of our arrogance, all of our things, it's all going to perish like beasts. Ecclesiastes chapter 6 says it a little differently. It says, there is an evil that I have seen. Now this is Solomon. Solomon's writing and, and bringing about the wisdom of God. And Solomon is saying, I've looked at everything, and here's what he's saying, is that I've seen this evil under the sun, and here it is. It lies heavy on mankind, let me tell you. A man to whom God gives wealth, God has entrusted all of us with wealth. It's crazy to think about it. Now, we don't always think that, right? We always think someone else has more, and it probably is true unless you're at the top of the food chain, right? Everybody has something. And he says, he says so that he lacks nothing of all that he desires, yet God does not give him power to enjoy them. You know why he says that? Because what we want is for these things to last forever, and they won't. You get to enjoy them for a few minutes, maybe in the big scheme of things a few years, but what Solomon is saying is a stranger is going to enjoy them. They will be passed on, they will be given to another person. And so it's sobering for us to think about it. And that's why the psalmist says there's two lives, there's two paths to be taken. You're either going to walk the path of the fool that denies where this world is going and what's going to happen, or you can be the wise person and walk that path. Every one of us has a choice. It's not complicated. Now when Jesus was on this earth, he, he was constantly talking about money. That's not really an issue, right? People know that that was a big conversation, just like it's a conversation in our lives. We're constantly consumed with money. Do I have enough? Is there going to be enough for this or that and taking care of all this stuff? So here it is, Luke chapter 12, we get Jesus in the scene, right? There's thousands of people coming to hear Jesus. You know what it says in Luke 12 verse 1? It says this. It says that thousands of people were coming. They so wanted to listen to what Jesus was saying, they were stumbling over each other. They're stumbling over each other, and Jesus just launches in. And you know what his first topic is? Hypocrisy. He goes into the, the jugular here, and he says, Oh, you want to follow God? Why are you doing what you're doing? And he just drives the point home towards the Pharisees. But it was also going out into the crowds. 
And then you know what he did? He took it to money. And he started talking about coveting. And he started talking about people trying to find the exact thing that Psalm 49 is. They're, they're, they're holding on to things. They're looking for comfort. They're looking for peace. Isn't that what coveting is? I want something I don't have so that I'll feel better about myself. I'll be more comfortable. I'll have more joy. I'll have more peace. Whatever you want to fill in, but that's why you're coveting. So Jesus talks about money. Someone in the crowd says, hey, Jesus, I got a question for you. And it gets to be a question about money, about inheritance. And Jesus says, you know what? Let me tell you a story. And the story is a very simple story. He tells a story about a man. A man who is going through life and he's making some money. And he takes his money and he invests it. He puts it in a 401. He starts buying stock. He starts diversifying, so he's buying more stocks. And then he's getting so much money, he's like, whoa, what am I going to do with all this money? I better diversify it even more. So he starts buying cryptocurrency. He starts buying gold. He starts buying silver so that he has this big diversified portfolio. Now, you know, says it a little differently in Luke 12, but the concept's exactly the same. There's just blessing upon blessing. And then God says to this man, he says, you fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things that you have been storing up in all these vehicles so that you could be diversified, whose will they be? You know why Jesus told that story? Because he probably read Psalm 49. Whose will it be? You only get to answer that question on this side. Once you pass, it's over. Decisions are made here. So, whose will it be? What are you going to do with it? And then God, through Jesus Christ, said this. He said, we should be rich towards God. Being rich towards God is the only way that we can live. It's laying up treasures in heaven. It's having this kingdom perspective that we talked about in Shine. It's recognizing that this world is not all there is. And so when we think about life for the future, it's all about being rich towards God. So let me just take us back in. There's some people here that are newer to Fox Valley, maybe weren't part of the series, but Life for the Future is a five-year campaign at Fox Valley Church. It's got two phases. Phase one is we're ready to eliminate all the debt, $1.4 million of debt. Now, why are we doing it now? Well, I'll tell you real briefly what happened. A few years ago, God started stirring the hearts of the leadership of Fox Valley Church and the property next door became available. As soon as that happened, that was the word go. Now is the time to get rid of this debt. And Fox Valley Church jumped on it. And we took all the steps necessary to secure that property. Then we started bringing the issues to the body. What do we need to do? Phase one, we can't get to phase two building a new ministry center until we eliminate the debt. We've got to get rid of it. So phase one had to happen. And the people of Fox Valley Church chimed in and said, yes, we've got to get rid 
of this debt. Phase two is a ministry center so that we can have greater impact in this community so that we can do right now let's just put it out there when you're paying a hundred thousand plus a year towards debt you are hamstrung you are handcuffed you are not able to use that money for ministry and so what we're doing is we're saying let's get freed up so that we can have greater impact so that we would have light for the future for future generations as they come in so that's what light for the future is a lot has been happening the last several months. And so what I'd like to do is rather than me just talk about light for the future, I'd like to bring out a panel of people and let you hear from them why they're so excited. So could we welcome this panel out? Kate has been giving leadership to the panel and uh, this whole group of people uh, have been doing different things. Kate, you have given a lot of leadership to light for the future. So appreciate your leadership. Tell, tell us a little bit why you're so excited about Life for the Future. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I've been excited about individual things that we've done, events that we've done, um, just thinking about this campaign. But more so when I think about, you know, the, the long term that this is going to have for this church and mm. the future of this church. Um, and you're going to hear more about it from these guys, too. But um, there's just an excitement that comes with thinking about the kids and the impact that this is going to have on the kids of this church, too. So long term. Awesome. Yeah, thinking about the future and where God's going with it. Well, maybe you could go ahead and introduce the panel so that everyone knows. Absolutely. Sure. So we have Dwayne and Erica Carib up here. We have Chris and Linda West and Deb and John Mashevsky. So we're so glad that you guys are here. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to direct this first question um, to Chris and Linda. If you could share a little bit, um, you know, how has God been been nudging you, speaking to you as you've been thinking about life for the future um, and your involvement in it? I think God has really been speaking to us in two different ways. One, are we uh, using our money in a way of comfort in how we give to the church? Are we just doing what feels okay? It doesn't really make us uncomfortable in that sense. Because um, I can go to the store and buy things for my class, and it isn't really a big deal because I know we have enough money in our account. It's things I don't pay attention to our budget. He probably does a little bit better. I'm the spender of the house. Um, and also just this selfishness and how we can try to balance that. And when we treat ourselves with, like, a new bed, how are we going to give that same amount to the church? Because it isn't just about benefiting ourselves mm-hmm. in our place of comfort, even when we sleep, but in making sure that we are helping take care of the church that our kids get to grow up in. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's great cool. to hear. That's awesome. And I wanted to direct this over to Deb and John as well. If you could share, you know, along the same lines of how has God just been speaking to you in this process? Well, well it's funny. I had notes early this morning of what I was going to speak about. And then Tom said his message. And uh, I think he found the perfect bowl. only because uh we were two teenagers in love uh you know we met when we were young and you know i i grew up in a small little home 900 square foot home and uh just on the east side of town and there were eight of us one bathroom so of course in life you want more and more uh more stuff so we had the big house the swimming pool the fancy cars and uh it made us happy, and the more stuff just makes you happier, is what I thought. Also, Kate, you need to sing, you know, the song that, you know, all my life you've been so faithful and so, so good to us, and 
the Lord has been so, so good to us. And, um, you know, we, we did downsize and got less stuff, and it was a blessing. It, it really was. And, um, you know, uh, when we accepted the Lord in our heart, we knew that, you know, we were all in, and it was the right thing to do. And we, we had enough stuff, <laughs> and too much stuff is right. And uh, it, it was time to give back to all our blessings the Lord gave us. That's great. That's really encouraging. Deb, I was curious if you could share a little bit, you know, in this process and talking about life for the future, how has this brought the two of you together and, and just unified you in this? Yeah, um, it really has been a journey and uh, it was a lot of prayer. Um, we knew out of the gates that uh, John and I were going to be all in for this campaign. This is our church home. This is our family. Um, we're excited about the future. Um, so we didn't know exactly what that was going to look like, but we knew we had to just pray through that regularly. Um, we didn't know if that was a lump sum, monthly, a combination thereof, um, but we earnestly sought uh, the Lord's will and his guidance and wisdom through the process. And in the end, we had a tremendous peace about it. There was joy in that. And the, the most important thing is we were evenly yoked. And well, I have to say, I had a harder time than she did. So <laughs> you want to give that much? And, and it was, again, the Lord. the Lord. And I want to hang on to my stuff. And, uh, mm. and as... A fool would say, the wise one talked, and I listened. No, he did. <laughs> he did. <laughs> he did. Amen, that's good. That's great to hear. Thank you for sharing that. Erica, I wanted to turn this next one to you. As we've just kind of talked about how it's brought couples together, I know that you shared before just your excitement about how this is going to bring the church together as a whole church body. Could you talk about that for a bit? Well, we did talk about how we'll light for the future impact us and I looked around them when we first came here I noticed an awful lot of not awful a lot of <laughs> young people and a lot of kids and I have a heart for kids and so I thought how's this going to impact the kids and what can we do uh, to impact these kids and light for the future is exactly that because the church is the light of the world and our kids are the light for our church plus the community. And we are told to raise our kids in the way that they should go. And what better way than to teach them and here at church and in the families and give every family the opportunity and the tools they need to do that. And so when I see kids, then I think, okay, what can we do to enhance that environment? Well, as far as I'm concerned, how nice it would be for the kids to come to after-school programs here and to bring their friends from school who will go home and say, Jesus makes a difference, mm. and Jesus changes everything. And that is where, where I think my, our heart is, and what more can we do to enhance and incorporate the kids as part of this program for light for the future, but light for our community as well. Mm. I love that, Erica. Yeah, yeah. It, it is about the future. It's about the people God's bringing and the people out in our community that don't know Jesus Christ, people that are far from God, and there's so much to be done. Uh, Chris, and, uh, you, you have young kids, two boys, and uh, it's a lot. Tell us like what you're thinking when it comes to this area. Yeah, I think it's, 
so exciting because Fox Valley has such a heart for kids and families and community. And I, I just love that about this church. That's like, that's such, such a big thing that we found when we came here not really that long ago. And I think that's what excites us when, is to be able to see, like, we have great people already in place and they're doing great things in Journeyland, in the youth ministry and family ministry. And to be able to give them even more resources, to be able to push that ahead and to say, look, we need more space, more things so we can keep growing that, that base of children who are the future. Like, that's the thing is we need these kids to go out and keep spreading the gospel in the next generation. So that's, I think, what we're just so excited about to be able to provide, like, to buy into that plan of bringing the future to Fox Valley. Mm-hmm. Thanks. That's great. That's, yeah, it, and it's exciting. It's so exciting to think about that. So as Pastor Tom was talking earlier just about this idea of being rich towards God, I was curious if we could kind of gear this next question to if there are creative ways that you guys have thought about, um, you know, how can you be giving creative, using, you know, these different creative ways to light for the future? Well, it's funny. Once uh, we agreed upon an amount to give, uh, <laughs> I had a prompting from the Lord and uh, Deb was on the prices right about three years ago, and she <laughs> won a little convertible, little Fiat convertible. And um, we thought, you know, I kind of like, ah, maybe we can sell the car. It's a good time to sell the car now. And, um, and so she totally was in on it. She said, yeah, that's, that's a great idea. And so it was kind of a fun day. We headed out to Schaumburg and all the dealerships, and we went from one to another, and it was uh, just a wonderful day and trying to find the prices right that they were going to give us uh, for the car. And uh, it was just a great day, and we got a good price, and then uh, we donated that money, you know, uh, towards mm. this campaign. It was a, it was a wonderful wow. day. Praise God. Yeah. Get rid of the more stuff, and it was... It was a, a wonderful blessing. It was a great day. Yeah, and I think for us, it was, we had our own debt, and we were looking at what was in our budget, and we were saying, like, all right, what can we commit here to paying for Light to the Future? And we said we want to pay off our debt. We want to pay down some of our things that are holding us back as a couple. And so we said we're going to pay off our car and just be free and clear of that, and we can put that money towards this This. Um, campaign and and as part of that we, we got so blessed because a couple of years ago I had gotten some like deferred bonus at work and I had really not thought about it at all until the same week that uh, we got approached to be part of this uh, advanced committee commitment and I got an email and I was like oh by the way your deferred bonus is vesting this today like you'll be able to spend it and it's like oh well clearly this is <laughs> God is saying, like, here, take this money and put it towards the church right now because it's like, it's, you, this is what it's here for, is for us to give it back. Mm. Wow, that's powerful to hear that. Thank you. Thank you for that. And just as we close, I have one final question. I want to direct it towards Dwayne. Dwayne has been um, serving on the Life for the Future board for the past several months, and so I've had the opportunity to sit in on meetings with him and just hear more about your heart and something that you have said many times in meetings talks about this idea of that we're investing in the kingdom when we're investing in light for the future. And so I just wanted you to share a little bit about, you know, thoughts on that, how you feel as you're doing that, if you would just share with us. Well, my feeling is that I feel privileged to be part of light for the future 
but part of the community of people that are working towards this goal that we have and towards our vision that our mm -hmm. elders and Pastor Tom has you know, placed before us. And I say that uh, very um, succinctly because so many people in our community, even those that are joining us online, know about Light for the Future. They've heard it, they've, they're living through it with us. And so some people have said to me, oh, I understand that your church is, uh, you know, trying to um, uh, pay off the debt completely, that you're going to do that. And I said, yeah, we're part of that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I mean by the privilege. But the other part is to see the privilege of what Erica was alluding to, that children are part of light for the future. As we speak, Journeyland, middle school, the high school kids in our church programs are contributing themselves to light to the future. So it's just not for adults. And it's not going down to the kids level, it's coming from the kids level up to us. So we need to band together. And it doesn't matter, you know, uh, that you're, um, what am I going to say, the size of your gift, although, you know, that matters because we want to get our goal uh, accomplished, mm -hmm. but just that you have felt this tugging and that you have said we need to sacrifice something and that will make it work together. No one will ever say John or Jim or Bob, they paid off that debt or Sally, or Janie, or, or Kim, they built that worship center. What they're going to say is, the body of Fox Valley Church mm. did it. And then we can feel part of that. <laughs> uh, well, that's really good. Can we just thank the panel for coming on up here today and being with us? Well, Light for the Future uh, is about being rich towards God. The verse that we've used to kind of drive the entire ministry to make sure it stays on task is coming out of Isaiah. And out of Isaiah, he wrote this. He said, if you satisfy, if you pour yourself out to satisfy the hungry. The hungry are who? They're the people that are far from God. They're the people that are spiritually needy. Those who need the message of the gospel that need hope. And so we want to pour ourselves out for them. And of course, it's not just the spiritual hungry. We want to be involved with the actual hungry, the people that are more destitute, the people that are needy. And so it's going in both ways for Isaiah. And then he says to satisfy the desire of the afflicted. We know that we live in a time of anxiety and fear and confusion. And that's what he's talking about with the afflicted. And we want to pour ourselves out for them. When we do that as a church, when we get serious about doing that, our light will shine bright, as he says, in this darkness. In the darkness of the world, it'll be brighter than that of the sun of the noonday. I mean, just how beautiful it would be if the church would humbly, sacrificially, be the people that God's called us to be. So light for the future is being driven 
by this one verse that we want to pour ourselves out for them. It's only what we have, one life to give for Jesus Christ. Well, also this morning, I want to bring us to a place where you'll get a number of materials. The materials you'll receive on the way out when you're actually walking out of the worship center. The ushers will give you these. What you're going to get is a brochure telling you a little bit more about life for the future. Then there's a frequently asked question sheet. These questions actually came from different people asking about life for the future. What do you mean by this? What about this? All those kind of questions are on the frequently asked questions. And then there's a card there that will also give you some direction of how to be creative. I know not all of us have been on the prices right and can uh, give a car away or some of the other ways people are finding, but there's a number of ways that we can be creative because what we're interested in, and let me just tell you, the heart of Fox Valley Church is that all of us participate. We all can't participate at the same level because God blesses differently, but all of us can participate. All of us can do it. Just like Dwayne said, it's moving together. So what I want to do is invite you in to life for the future. In the pockets in the chair in front of you, there's a card. There's a card. If you'll pull that out at this time, card that looks like this and just simply want to ask you to join Light for the Future. Down in the bottom left side of the front of the card, it just talks about we're in phase one, a two-year campaign, phase one to eliminate the debt. This is giving that is over and above any regular giving. If you just shift your giving, we don't accomplish any of our tasks. So it's trusting God to be over and above our regular giving. And then there's also uh, down there that you'll notice that I'll never know what anybody gives. The leadership doesn't know. There's only one group that knows, and that's the treasurer. The treasurer of Fox Valley Church will receive these cards and will record it just as you would any other gift. Now, to help you understand a little bit about the giving, on the back side, there's these numbers. And so just so you know how to read it, let's say the Lord starts impressing on you, we want to give $1,000. Well, that would be $42 a month, and at the end of the year, you would have the $1,000. Or you can break it down to weekly or the year-end. It's a two-year commitment. Remember that it's not $1,000 a year. It's 1000 for the two years. Let's say the Lord gives you the burden to say, I'm going to give 5000 over the two years. That would be $209 a month or $2,500 a year. So that'll just a little bit of a gauge to help you uh, get perspective. And so you'll notice on the card, it says the initial gift. Some people have already given some initial gifts. Then also they made a commitment for year one or year two. What I want to bring you on into, and this is really, really exciting, is we brought this to some of the leadership of Fox Valley Church. We have received 56 cards to date, pledging $686,000 already. Isn't that amazing? Now you can do the math because what that's telling you is we're already halfway to our goal. We're just going in that final half now, but we're already halfway there at the 686,000. You'll notice too when you walked in the foyer, there was a, a board up there with all the lights. You'll notice that there are 56 lights turned on already. Those were the people that said, I'm in, I'm all in. When you get ready, we'll turn on your light as well as the Lord leads. 
and pretty soon the whole board will be lit of all the lights of Fox Valley Church so that we can be light to the future. What I do want to bring in a little bit too is on my own story. Kathy and I had obviously known a lot about light for the future and we had been praying about it like Lord what do you want us to do because we're bullish on Fox Valley Church like I'm all in all in all in on Fox Valley Church God what would you have us do so we pray and then what do we do we set it aside and we forget about it start thinking about it again praying about it and talking about it <clears throat> we were on a walk and I said Kathy here's what the Lord's laying on my heart to do and she listens to me just so beautifully. And uh, she says, well, I'd like to do a third more than that. And I just thought for a second, and I'd say it this way, just like it says in Acts 15, it seemed good to me and the Holy Spirit. So within just a short walk, we increased our giving by one-third just by seeking the Lord. So I want to encourage you. I don't know what it's going to be like, but let me just give you... Uh, a couple or no on the bottom of the card you can see you'll turn in your card uh, by April 3rd that's two weeks uh, you can turn them in there's a box in the foyer you can drop them in there you can turn them in earlier if you'd like but this is so we, we can work together so now the question is well how, how do we do this you know when they're due uh, you know where to place them how do we do this let me give you just a couple things that I think will really help you first is to pray Everything needs to be bathed in prayer. When we started Light for the Future, we started it with prayer. We started it in the service, praying. We started prayer meetings. We've been sending out prayer texts for those that want them. We have been bathing this in prayer for months upon months upon months. As it comes down to you, it's important that you be seeking the Lord. Secondly, if you're married, you need to talk about it. We want to see unity in couples. And that takes conversation. We encourage you to do that. And you've already heard a couple stories of couples talking and how there needs to be unity. And then thirdly, it comes down to the big step. Nobody can tell you what to give but God. I'm not here to manipulate. I'm not here to twist arms. I'm not here to shame, embarrass, or anything else. It's between you and God. And you have to discern what God is asking you to do. No one can answer it. But here's what I know about life. Many of us are human calculators. You're going to say, oh, I can only give X because that's what I have in my checking book. That's what I make or that's what we have set aside. If you do that, if you're just a calculator, you're going to miss out. You're going to miss out. You're going to miss out on the blessing of stepping out in faith. When we trust God to go beyond what we normally would think, we find incredible freedom because we begin to see how God wants to provide. So I want to encourage you, don't just do the calculation, but take some time and say, God, what is it I can trust you for? Now, I want to drive home this point just a little bit harder. Why is it we think we can trust Jesus Christ for our salvation but we can't trust them for a few dollars. We got to trust them for eternal life, but we can't trust them to provide any additional money. It's going to take all of us working together to eliminate this debt. So I want to encourage you 
to do that in in Isaiah in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 this is the heartbeat of what we are at Fox Valley Church each of you should give what you have decided that's between you and the Lord from your heart to give not reluctantly or under compulsion but as God leads because God loves a cheerful giver so at Fox Valley Church here's what we say we love free will, generous, glad giving. Free will, we're not going to manipulate. It's between you and the Lord. Generous, because that's where we see the power of God and glad or cheerful giving. So that's who we are at Fox Valley Church, and that's what we're looking forward to. Then, as all these cards come in on April 3rd or before, on April 10th, Palm Sunday, we're going to announce everything that God has provided so I want to encourage you to be here on that Sunday. It'll be a great day of celebration, and it'll be a big event of celebration. After the service today, if you have other questions, we're going to be in the worship center, and we'll answer some questions for Light for the Future. So you could stick around after the service, and we'll be answering some of those uh, if there's additional questions. Let me go ahead and pray for us. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that you bless us and you give and you just keep giving. And that, God, we could never outgive you. That those aren't just words. Those are true things. And that we would never regret. We would never regret. I know I would never regret any dime, any commitment that I make to your kingdom work because we know the impact of it for eternity. And so, God, we know that you make it possible. We're going to trust you, and you always do what you say you're going to do. You are truly the promise keeper, and it's in you that we give all the praise, and it's in Jesus' name. Amen.